Welcome to the Workforce Connections Podcast, where we discuss workforce development in Southern Nevada. Here's your host. Hi, and welcome to the WC Podcast. Today we have another exciting episode, and we have a very special guest, the new Executive Director for the Governor's Office of Workforce Innovation, Lisa Levine. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you, Jaime. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so good to, to, to have you here. We've known you, you know, for a long time in many roles, and we're yeah. going to talk about that today. Uh, but so far, what do you think about the studio you this just is, saw? Oh, this is fabulous. And just the idea that you're going to be able to connect so many of these organizations in the workforce space through your podcast, I think it's fabulous. It's worked for us. I think, you know, uh, it was now a year ago that one of our board members said, uh, you know, we need to be with the new um, things of, of social media. Right. We need to, um, you know, uh, podcast and TikTok. And I said, I don't know what any of that means. So <laughs> yeah. one year later, here we are. That's uh, great. But Lisa, again, I've had the pleasure to, to know you and, and work with you throughout different roles. But for our listeners and our viewers, let's rewind the clock a little bit and tell us maybe about your last three stops. I appreciate that. Well, I've been, uh, grew up in Nevada, obviously. Home means Nevada for me. Went to UNLV and all my K through 12 through the Clark County School District. So it's really important for me to grow this community because it's my home. You know, um, so before joining the governor's office of workforce and innovation, uh, I own my own small business, uh, did a little bit of government affairs for some of my clients like IGT and some of the education um, organizations in the community. Uh, and before that, I was the head of government affairs, business development and community relations for the International Game Technology Company, IGT, obviously a very um, well reputable uh, company in our community. Uh, and then before that, I worked for Congresswoman Titus for about 10 years. I actually started working for her when I was 18 and a freshman at UNLV. So that's how I got my start in this um, wonderful ecosystem. That's where I met you. Yes, way yes, back then. yes. And uh, tell us, uh, just again, for our listeners, which high school did you graduate from? Uh, Sierra Vista. All right. That was back when Sierra Vista was very much in the boonies. We've had so much growth since then. Yeah. But yes. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Uh, so again, um, tell us, uh, congrats on the new appointment uh, at Goin. Tell us, you know, I know it's been a short time still and you kind of hit the ground running and you're starting hopefully to wrap your mind and arms around everything that's going on in this large, very large ecosystem. Goin is, again, a small agency with not a lot of, uh, it's not unlimited resource by any means. So you have a lot to do with, you know, very little. You have to be efficient. But tell us, how's it been in your first few weeks and perhaps even share some of the things you might have already launched into and you're already uh, experiencing now. I appreciate that, Jaime. The Governor's Office of Workforce and Innovation uh, is doing some really exciting things and it's been a real privilege to be a part of this team. I like to say we have a small but mighty team, yeah. uh, but we do have a very small um, and efficient uh, organization. We have less than 10 people on staff. We manage about $25 million in federal grants, all that are going towards workforce training and programming across the state of Nevada. Um, and we have some really interesting pilot programs that we're launching. You know, it's two part, right? One, when the 08 recession hit Nevada, we know that Nevada, especially Southern Nevada, was one of the hardest hit uh, communities across the country. Then you have the pandemic 10 years later. And quite frankly, we hadn't even made up all of the setbacks from the 08 recession. And then the pandemic obviously was a huge hit to our economy, a short, short recession, but a huge hit. Uh, and so 
now bracing for what might come next. There's obviously speculation by some economists that a recession is is on the brinks of coming. So making sure that we're doing everything we can at the governor's office of workforce and innovation to upskill, reskill, have short-term training programs available to Nevadans who wanna switch careers or get back into the labor force. Um, and making sure we're resilient so that whatever comes our way next, we're better prepared. And one of the uh, many projects that you said you're, you're uh, happening through going is the Sandy Grant. And you and yes. I already have set some time aside. I think next Monday we're going to talk to our programs people about how we can better partner in that. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that we believe strongly here at Workforce Connections is in partnerships. Uh, we believe that, you know, it's for the people that we have partnerships because that unlocks the possibilities of us uh, serving our community better. For you, because I know it's important to you too, and the, the, the time that I've known you and the work that I've seen you done, uh, partnership is important. But share with us why you believe that's important to you. Why is it that through partnerships we can do better work? Well, I think leading off on that, the Sandy Grant's a great example of this, right? One thing that, um, you know, in Nevada, we always know the areas that we need to do better, but there are some examples of the ways that we're leading on the cutting edge. Uh, the Sandy Grant is, uh, for those who don't know, it was a $14 million uh, federal grant from the Department of Education that Nevada received. And Nevada was only one of eight states across the country to receive that. So it's it's really um, a great example of the work that goes into partnerships because the Sandy Grant was not led by the Governor's Office of Workforce and Innovation. We certainly manage it now, but it was a community effort of many partners. And I know Workforce Connections was a part of our grant application. Uh, for me, workforce development is a bottom-up approach, right? It should not be top-down. Coming from the private sector, I'm certainly working in government before then, but from the private sector's perspective, I recognize how you know, our employers and our business leaders, and you know this, talking to them daily, they don't want government to speak at them. They know what their concerns are. They know what their issues are, whether it's training, whether it's soft skills, whether it's a lack of um, skilled folks coming in to do the interview process. All of that it feeds into this workforce development ecosystem. And we have to listen to them because if we can match what they need for their floors and for their hiring of their employees, and we can then align that with our training programs, whether they're non you know this, I'm speaking of the choir, non-traditional or through the Nevada system of higher education, then we can create more opportunities for everyone, right? Rising tides raise all ships. So, you know, in my opinion, Workforce Connections is the model of this. You have these industry sector councils, you have so much collaboration and frankly, cooperation at the regional level. And the state should look to that and not compete with you. Cause I think sometimes there can be a lot of silos. Well, we're excited again about your leadership, Lisa, because like you said, we've already seen in the short time that uh, given enough time, we're going to eliminate some of that duplication, as you said, yes. and uh, to help our community better partner in other things um, beyond Sandy. I know we've talked about what was, um, uh, I hate how, you know, why names have to change, but it was a company named NetPres that now is Pathful Connect, another tool that's hopefully going to help our ecosystem. So and just, have, just so you know, uh -huh. I'm calling it NetPres. Oh, and to the it. organization we <laughs> contract with knows that it's uh -huh. very important. I we gotcha. continue to call it NetPres. <laughs> yes, I hate the changing of names right? as well. Yeah. Um, but going again, as you said, is um, involved in many things at the statewide level. And one of them is, of course, policies, but also finding other ways to strengthen this 
statewide ecosystem that does workforce that is not just the workforce boards and state agencies that do labor, but our skill acquisition partners starting from the K through 12 system right. all the way to the post-secondary, which includes community college, universities, vocational training, military That's apprenticeships right. and all that. That's a large ecosystem. Moving forward, what are some of the priorities you're going to be focusing on? You know, because you can't do it all at once, but maybe what are a couple of top things that you're going to start um, moving, if you will? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's a couple spaces in this, right? One, uh, through the partnership that we have with the Governor's Office of Economic Development, we can forecast and we know what those top 10 in-demand occupations are in the top 10 industries that we're either trying to attract to the state of Nevada to diversify the economy uh, or to expand, right? Um, you know, obviously, the some of them that come to mind are advanced manufacturing, logistics and warehouse, healthcare, IT. Now, one of the key things about this is while the whole state is going to one benefit from diversification uh, and also from these certain sectors, every region has a different kind of personality to it and policy needs and goals, if you will. And I know you know that very well coming from the region of Southern Nevada. Um, and so our priority is making sure that we are within those ten, top 10 in-demand occupations in terms of a workforce development approach and creating that workforce talent pipeline. But another big thing that isn't necessarily in the top 10 in-demand, but is critical, right, is our teacher shortage. And that's in Clark County School District, that's Washoe County School District, it's in the rurals. And so also working on creating these teacher pipelines. I know that there's some organizations in the community that are really focused on this, and I'm trying to figure out how we can build stronger partnerships. And obviously, in the end of the day, it comes down to funding. Uh, and sometimes resources can be limited. I'm hopeful going into next session, there's supposed to be a surplus because of all the gaming revenue, which has been very exciting, the boom after the bust from the pandemic. Um, so we'll see if there's investment in workforce development. But uh, you know, another part of that too is workforce development is really the beginning from whether you're in pre-kindergarten or kindergarten into adult education, whatever that looks like. So making sure that we strengthen our CTE programming uh, you know, at the high school level, but also expanding that into the middle school level and making sure that there's opportunities there so that students know what pathways and career opportunities they have. And just to give you know a little example of that, statistically, we know that if you are a high school student and you plan to or have a curiosity about going to college, you are far more likely to graduate high school, right? And so if students have curiosity and an appetite for what's to come, what opportunities are available to them. And then on the government side, through collaboration, we can equip them with the skills they need. And by the time they graduate high school, they can go directly into some of these um, you know, really exciting careers that are within these top 10 in-demand occupations. And then from there, they're stackable credentials so they can earn while they learn. And that, I think, is the future of workforce. And that's the type of stuff we're trying to do. That's awesome, Lisa. I was um, thinking you were going to tell me something that would you do over the next two months, but you already charted out <laughs> a, a few years of work. That's awesome. I, uh, you know, Jaime, I grown up in Nevada and you've been in this space a long time. We've got to think short term, but we have to think long term. We have right. to have strategic plans that are not just through one session to the next session, one crisis to the next crisis. We have to have a long term vision and. Um, if there's anything I've seen over the years, I really think that right now there is political will for that. There's interest from the private sector.
sector, the public sector, education, nonprofit, community stakeholders. Uh, so I'm here to listen and to be helpful and try to get it done. Well, c- uh, count on us as your partner to get those things done. Thank you. Yeah, our ecosystem, our partners, our, our industry sector partnerships, our employers, uh, I think we're going to push in the same direction. So uh, as we say that, you know, one of the things before I move on to the last question that you, you mentioned in there, I think is really important talking about funding. Yes, I think it would be great that um, we could get additional funding beyond, you know, the investment that comes from the feds, like you said. But uh, one thing I think where you can help us, um, the the mission of going from the very beginning was, you know, this federally funded one-stop system, if you will, has 17 mandated, not if you want to, Mm -hmm. mandated or required partners, 17 funding streams. And the local board only gets, uh, administers one of them. It's called Title I, we owe Title I, Adult Dislocated Worker and Youth. But there's 16 other funding streams that should be pushing in the same direction. Uh, the funding we receive represents about 20, 20 to 25% of the total bucket. And so there's 75% more money that uh, doesn't have to come to us, but should be purposefully, intentionally aligned to what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that would be a great opportunity for us as a state. To, and we've made movement on that, by the way, without, uh, you know, mandates or in states like Texas, they legislate that. They make sure that it happens through legislation. And again, I know that's harder. Uh, it's easier said than done. But again, without legislation, we've made it toward now, loosely, I'll say we have about 50% of the money pushing in, this, in the same direction. And that's through, again, partnerships with Dieter and DHHS. And so, but I think there's more to be done. And I'm, uh, I'm hopeful that you can help us help us get there. I appreciate that. You know, it's not necessarily a sexy political or policy topic to talk about organizational structures, but it's certainly a really critical part to making sure there's alignment. Um, And so absolutely count me in, you know, in the end of the day, resources come into the state, but it's really important that we get those resources out into the community to make sure they're going into the right place, um, maximizing public goods and delivery of services. So um, Jaime, again, I think that y'all are the model for the state. And so anything I can do to support you, that's that's my goal. Well, we look forward to working with you on that, Lisa. Um, back to the public and, and who we try to serve. You know, we really have two main customers in our equation of uh, supply and demand for the workforce system. Of course, the demand is the employers. That's where it starts where they do the hiring. You know, government doesn't create jobs. They do. What government does is hopefully connect them to the type of workforce they need right. and help prepare that workforce. And so that's the supply side, that talent pipeline that we talked about starts at the K through 12 and moves on post-secondary again to meet the needs of employers. So to try to solve that equation in a more effective way, we've convened, as you said earlier, uh, regional sector partnerships for each one of our target industries. They're not the, um, you know, hospitality will always be, I think, the core economy of Southern Nevada. Uh, we have uh, an infrastructure built here like nowhere else in the world, right. and that's not going to change. And it keeps getting better when we add stadiums and arenas and more casinos. Um, but we do also, for a while now, been trying as a state to diversify our economic base and make sure that healthcare and manufacturing and mm-hmm. tech, uh, logistics, as you said, mm-hmm. um, you know, creative industries, clean energy are all part of our, our, our mix. And so, again, for the very first time, very successfully, we've convened employers from those industries here in this building, again, in partnership with our local chambers, our regional development agencies, our higher uh, ed institutions, our, our uh, K through 12 institutions. 
And we've extracted for them their needs on the short, mid, and long term, as you said. And we're working on delivering those. We, uh, you know, we heard some really important things from them. And we purposely followed on a model that, that nationally was successful because when you put employers in a room, sometimes as government, we tend to overcrowd them. Mm-hmm. We have uh, 20 government employees and five employers. So this model calls for the complete opposite. Make sure that the employers are outnumbering everybody else and that their voice is what's being heard. Too many times the employers hear from us lengthy reports and lengthy forecasting and lengthy plans and lengthy discourses about what we already have on the shelf instead of saying, what do you actually need? And so we've heard, again, great feedback from our employers. We're already working on the solutions because we had the commitment of our regional partners on the supply side to help us. It'll take months. And again, we look forward to partnering with you on, for the first time, really Uh, putting into place a mechanism by which we hear of industry needs and then start to create the solutions for them with them in charge. So the question is, um, in your opinion, uh, I know the answer because I know you, but I want our listeners and our viewers to know how important is it to actually engage the businesses so that their thoughts, their needs are what drives these um, very important workforce investments in our region. Oh, it's, it's very important, right? And I'll give both a Northern Nevada example and a Southern Nevada example, right? Under Governor Sandoval, when Tesla was looking at some type of relocation for their uh, facility, they came to uh, Nevada, they met with Governor Sandoval's office, and the first thing that was brought up was workforce readiness needs. And they were able to resolve that through community collaborations, right? Um, and so in Southern Nevada, you know, we just had the Governor's Workforce Development Board a couple weeks ago, and we had uh, President Zaragoza from CSN, uh, and we had Peter, who's the VP of Operations on the West Coast for Haas, uh, and he was, they both gave an incredible presentation about their partnership. For those who might not know at CSN, uh, in partnership with um, Haas, they are building a center of excellence that is gonna be focused on advanced manufacturing. Uh, But Peter was talking to the board and he said, you know, when we first looked at Southern Nevada for, um, you know, potentially a site location, we looked at what the workforce readiness needs were, what the opportunities were, and then we looked at what the community college programming was. And at the time, TMCC, Truckee Meadows Community College in, in Washoe, was the only one that had a manufacturing program. And so Peter worked with organizations, obviously, like Workforce Connections, um, the Regional Development Authority in Southern Nevada, Las Vegas Global Economic Alliance, obviously now being um, led by Tina Quigley, who's fantastic. She's doing a great job. Um, a and, Workforce Connections board member, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I love Tina that. Tina's, <laughs> Tina's a rock star. I look up to her very much. Um, and, uh, and CSN. And CSN's response was not, you know, here's all the red tape or bureaucratic hurdles. The response by the community was, we want Haas to move here. This is an incredible opportunity. How do we get it done? And they did. And now Haas is here. Uh, They have plans in the next couple of years to expand their facility in Henderson, Nevada, uh, and also to hire, I believe it's about 2,500 employees. You know, these are positions that started at a very high wage. Uh, They require, I think 10% of the floor are engineering degrees, but the rest of it, they're not necessarily four-year degrees or or graduate degrees or short-term training, right? Machinist operators. And so you think about what the future is um, and it's, it's innovative partnerships like that. And with the mindset of 
the answer is going to be yes. How do we get this done? Not, well, here's all the reasons why this couldn't happen. No, I love it. Uh, and by the way, I know he's going to be listening. So uh, Dr. Saragosa from CSN, also another proud member of the Workforce Connections Board. But I think it exemplifies why we've been uh, successful in our efforts to connecting with industry, uh, bless you, in our, in our region. Because uh, again, whether it be the example of Haas uh, and Peter, uh, you know, our board members, Tina Quigley, uh, Dr. Saragosa, Dr. Jara, the superintendent of our school district, mm -hmm. Mary Beth Sewell from the Vegas Chamber, Peter Guzman from the Latin Chamber, they are uh, deeply connected to that business world. And they, uh, along with other uh, business owners and business executives, are what drives our initiatives here at Workforce Connections. And our, our mission statement is connecting employers to a ready workforce. Again, and as we've talked about already, you cannot ready a workforce if you don't understand what employers need. That's so. Right. Thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts. Again, I already knew them, but I think uh, it really sets the stage for us over the next few months and years to um, help put in place things that do exactly that here in our region and for the state. Uh, Lisa, I'm, I'm thankful that you came, that uh, some of our listeners can get to see uh, who's going to be hitting up Goin and you. uh, your excitement, your enthusiasm and passion for the work. Uh, I know that we're gonna be talking about successes soon, so we'll have you back. But in the meantime, this is the moment for final thoughts. A lot of times our guests have something to plug. Okay. Or if yes, yes, your website where people can go find out about going or any exciting events, initiatives you might have, this is your your time to uh, to go off script and tell us whatever you like, share us with us. Well, I like. appreciate that. First and foremost, thank you so much for having me and I hope you'll have me back. Uh, you know, at the Governor's Office of Workforce and Innovation, we have an open door policy. So if you're listening and there's some kind of workforce needs or there's some kind of policy solution or recommendation that you have, uh, please feel free to reach out to me anytime um, and I'm sure we can attach my contact information yes, to the, right to the, the bottom. bottom. Please do. I don't mind. Um, I, I really think, uh, you know, we've got a, a small community and we're all interconnected. And so I think that communication um, channels are, are really good. Um, one little thing I'll pitch, uh, although I think it, it's something I'm really excited about. I think in order to move Nevada forward, we really have to have policy solutions um, that are data driven. Right, and this is something that I know the research and scholarship community at our tier one universities and our community colleges have been talking about for a long time. And I know it's something that government leaders across the state are really, um, are really supportive of. At the Governor's Office of Workforce and Innovation, we actually manage a data system called NPower. And in December, we're gonna have a research forum both um, in Las Vegas as well as in Reno. Uh, the one in Las Vegas is going to be held on December 8th at the Desert Research Institute campus over by UNLV. Um, and it's gonna be an opportunity for uh, folks who are interested in you know, really all different kind of policy areas, whether it's education, workforce, economic diversification, or if you are an employer and there's something that you're interested in finding out from a data perspective, we have a number of data partners uh, from the Department of Veteran Services, uh, DETER, uh, the DMV, um, Department of Health and Human Services, and I know I'm forgetting a few, Department of Corrections, 
And so um, one of the things that we hope to come out of these research forums that are going to be really an opportunity to get feedback from the community is to develop a research agenda going into the legislative session so that we know, okay, here are the data tools that we have. What kind of research questions can we utilize that data for? And how can we drive Nevada forward through that system? So that's something I really want to plug. I'm very excited. It's a little bit of a data nerd on my end, but I know it's going to be a really good tool for Nevada. We're excited. We're going to follow up with you to make sure we have the URL or website where people can go find out more and we'll post it here at the bottom of the screen so people can follow up. Thank you very much. Lisa, uh, as always, great to see you. Thank you uh, for for visiting us formally here in this space. I get to see you informally all the time. So, But we'll have you back so our listeners can start to uh, quantify your impact as you uh, take on the office of going and and help us, uh, you know, help our serve our community better. Thank you so much. Okay, well, that's it for another episode of the WC Podcast. We'll see you on the next one. Until then, stay safe.